Episode 103 of the Bevan James Oz Show. How good are you at feeling uncomfortable? Right here, team, welcome along to episode 103 of the Bevan James Oz Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviors that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. Gotta say, it's been a pretty cool day for me so far. It's a beautiful day here in Christchurch, and uh, this morning I was coaching my runners, and I do love coaching. I do love, I you know, like, it's interesting when you think about people when you go, what do you, what do you want to do with your life? And, and for most people, they... Well, not most people, but for a lot of people, it comes down to try and help others. You know, a lot of people are out there and they think that, you know, for them to help others would be something that they desire to do. Not everyone, but that's a lot of people, you know. I'd love to help people in the thing that I'm passionate about. And I'm very, very fortunate because I am a a person who gets to live that life. Like, I, I get to help people achieve growth in an area that I'm really passionate about, which is fitness. But, you know, one of the real benefits of this is that, you know, you get to have these experiences that are really cool. And this morning was just one of those experiences um, up in the Port Hills here in Christchurch. I live in a place called Christchurch. It's kind of a flat town with mountains to one side and then the hills to the other side. And uh, I'm lucky to live on one of the hills. And we've got a road called Summit Road. And it's just kind of just along the top of the hill, but it runs along the top, and uh, in the morning, it's just a beautiful place to run, actually, I'm about to go for a run after I do this, I'm going to head up myself, head up there, because I, I love it up there, but I was coaching my runners there this morning, and you're just kind of riding along, and people are kind of exercising, and it's a big group of people, so it's really fun, and uh, everyone's just kind of having a really good time, you've got this amazing terrain around you, and it's just one of those moments in my life where I go, geez, I'm lucky to do what I do. And it kind of puts me in good stead for the rest of my day. So it's kind of cool. If you listened to my last show, you would have seen that I was very stressed doing my last show. Well, luckily, I'm not so stressed now. My 5K Dream is out there. And it's, it's you know, my5kdream.com if you're interested in doing it. Um, but I've got to say, it's going really well, which is pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of through that stressed moment. Before I get into the main gist of today's show, I just wanted to share an experience I had recently with one of my clients. So uh, I, have a, I had a session with a client about three or four days ago. And when you work with people and you're trying to help them grow, and, and if you ever get a chance to work with me, you're going to discover pretty quickly when often people come to me with what they think they want to grow in, and once we dig deeper, it's often a much different thing. So people might want to come to me because they might think that, you know, working with me would help them lose weight. But actually what we're really going to look at is the deeper meaning of why you, why weight is a struggle, you know, and that's kind of, you know, and so I really fundamentally believe we need to work on the right thing in working together, not just, you know, the thing that is the, the final effect of you not being in the right place within yourself. And so a lot of the work I will do with my clients is about that kind of deeper level of self and how to get you in that place and what kind of tools and all, all the rest of it are going to help you get there. And the, one of the really cool parts of my life is that you get to have these moments when you're successful with your clients, which are really rewarding for, for me, the coach. And I had a session a few days ago where... Um, one of my clients who I've been working with for maybe about maybe six, seven months now, 
who's made massive progress and, and not you know like as i was saying before when you work with me we're, we're digging deep we're not mucking around we're going to dig to pretty deep and the progress this person has made has been massive on a very deep level kind of kind of life altering for the future this person has and i kind of love that i love this you know one thing i often talk about with my clients when they get to a good place is how exciting is this for your future now that you're in the place you're in right now like if you think about yourself if you think about a lot of people out there who have struggled in a certain area of their life who have really kind of you know it's been a struggle in a certain area of their life when you think about that and you really you know if you didn't have that struggle in your life and you could put the energy into a more empowering version of yourself, what would that mean for your future? And that's, to me, that's kind of the ultimate place I want to get to with my clients. And this client has had such massive kind of progress in the last period of time. They, they were sitting there and they're just telling me about where they're at. And I have to admit, I was buzzing as they were telling me this stuff. Like, I, it was so rewarding for me to hear this person talk about the progress that they made. And we actually kind of both just kind of, bit of a fist pump, you know, but in, in quite an emotional way because as this person was telling me these words, you could see that they had realized how much they had progress. So it was a pretty cool moment. And you, the, this person was very generous to me because they said they'd worked with another kind of, person in the past and, and it was they'd spent a lot of money and it was a bit of a waste of money nothing really happened and, and and i was saying it was really cool because something that we did something that and me and her me and this person working together something about that made this click and and i kind of just talked about you know what's the role of a mentor and you know and to me it's that you need to develop you know this is from my perspective being the person who kind of coaches and mentors people is that one of the real important things to do is that there needs to be a sense of trust that for you to get value out of working with the mentor that you have to trust that person and in trusting that person you can then actually figure out what needs to be worked on. You know, like I just said before, didn't I? I said, you know, really, if you want to work with me, we aren't going to be looking at the surface. We're going to be digging pretty deep because the real change happens when we look into the deeper. And if we can get into that deeper, then we can really start to think about how you move through that. And if we can get you to move through that, then obviously you're going to get to a pretty cool place or, or hopefully you'll get to a cool place. Now, if you don't have a level of trust in the person you're working with, then that's going to cause a problem in the work you're trying to create for each other. And this is what I was kind of talking about with my clients, kind of saying how, you know, for me, you know, one of the most important things for my clients to understand is they need to trust me. And, and there's lots of things I'll do to kind of help build the trust of the people. But fundamentally, we're building a relationship where this person feels they can be 100% open with me. And, and, and a lot of that comes from, you know, a lot of the skills I bring to the role, but a lot of it comes from me never bringing any judgment, you know, for me to be able to, you, you'd be able to tell me kind of the shit you're scared of, <laughs> I know I probably shouldn't swear there, but, you know, that, that shit you're scared of, that you're not really happy or, or you're quite insecure or vulnerable around, but you need to be able to tell me that way, and, and one thing that's going to help you do that is for you to know that, I'm not going to judge you based on that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm I'm not putting my context on your world. I want you to feel free to be able to communicate and express that stuff so then we can dig deeper into this. And so, we, you know, because it was a bit of a highlight moment for my client, 
we were just talking about well, why is this, you know, because they had past experiences where this kind of work hadn't worked and why is it working with me? And, and to be honest, I'm sure I've had clients in the past who maybe I haven't been the best with, you know, like I think sometimes people just have this thing that works. I, I do like to think I, I try my best to do a good job with my clients. So, um, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, I, I, do, I wouldn't work for everybody, but with this person, it has worked. And, um, so we're kind of talking about this, we're talking about trust and all the rest of it, and, and it's probably some insight in there for you, isn't it? Like, the people I'm I'm going to try help me grow with, I need to be able to trust. Actually, this is really interesting, because it kind of brings me to a conversation I had with one of my runners this morning. So one of my runners this morning, she's a very fit woman, a very disciplined exerciser, um, and she wants to lose some weight, and uh, to be honest... It would only be a couple kg because she's in a looks. She's a pretty healthy woman, but you know she wants to lose some weight and she feels she hasn't been losing the weight. And if we point the finger at exercise, that's not the problem because this person's doing plenty of exercise. They exercise extremely at a high intensity, so you know on that side of the equation they're nailing it. So they were thinking that you know obviously maybe it's nutrition. And let's be honest, if you want to lose weight, exercise is really important. But it's actually the nutrition side of the thing that's going to have the bigger impact on you losing weight. And for me, um, though I, I always I don't really like saying that. You know, I, you know, people say it's you know, eighty twenty nutrition exercise. I'm not quite sure what that percentage is is right, but it is actually if you want to lose weight, it's going to come a lot more from nutritional habits than from exercise. The only problem with kind of putting that message out there is it diminishes the value of exercise in someone's life because. If you could lose weight just by nutrition and not exercise, I don't know how much healthier you really are. I think you've really got to go there, okay, well, to lose weight, I need to kind of really address the nutritional side of my plan. But exercise is an important part of my life for so much more just than weight management. And if I would diminish that value, that could actually come another cost to my health. So it's not a message I like to communicate a huge amount because ooh, I don't want to diminish the value of exercise. Because some people will hear that and they'll go, oh, I don't really need to exercise. And it's not true. Exercise is so valuable for so many reasons. But anyway, talking to this person out there running this morning up along Summit Road, beautiful run. And they said they went to see a nutritionist. And it was interesting because this person has studied a little bit of nutrition as well, but they wanted to go see a nutritionist. And they were kind of saying how some of the advice that the nutritionist was giving them was a little bit against the way they do things. Um, little things like the nutritionist was advising that maybe they should take some fish oil. Um, you know, things like that. Just, you know, some things. Or, the, you know, the, the nutritionist actually said to this person, you're probably not eating enough because you are quite an advanced exerciser and which sounds kind of counterintuitive and we were kind of having this discussion around you know well if you are going to spend this money with this person you have to put your trust in them for a while to see if it's okay and often when it comes to working with someone for progress in an era that we're trying to grow in we diminish the effects of working with this person because we don't trust them enough and that was what was really interesting talking with this runner this morning was that the the bigger journey for them right now was to put their their 100% trust in this person's plan. And and I know it as a coach it's one of the frustrating things I find as a coach like it's funny when I look at my it's it's funny when I look at the progress of some of my runners. So if I get someone at my 5k group and they're a total beginner, they trust everything. They'll they'll do anything I tell them because they 
they're fearful. <laughs> uh, they they don't really have much knowledge, so they kind of just stick to the plan 100%. And then you get them to run 10Ks and then half marathons, and then once people have done a couple of half marathons, it's almost like they, they, it's not that they don't trust you, but they just don't follow the plan as well. And I try to design plans that are going to help people get the best chance of having a great goal. And you'll speak to some of my more advanced runners who have done it a few times, and they've just got this bad habit of not really being sticking to the plan 100%. It might be that they don't trust me. It might be just that they've lost a little bit of motivation and discipline. It might be that they think they know better and so on and so on. But to me, if you're going to sign up for something that's going to help you grow, you at least need to give it a period of time where you're trying to stick to this person's plan and that was the conversation I was having with my runner today was that well you know we know you, you know you've gone to a nutritionist they you, you think what they've come up back with is really interesting it does kind of go a little bit against what you think is right or what is normal for you maybe not what you think is right it's not that you think this person is is a liar but you get what I mean so the real journey right now the real challenge for you right now is how do you trust this person? How do you trust and actually 100% apply what they are doing, even though it may contradict some of the, the things that you are that are ingrained in you? So the idea of you're not eating enough, and that may be one of the reasons you're not letting go of weight. And actually, if you were to eat better and maybe distribution of your food and the types of food, you'd actually end up eating more food and that could help you lose weight. Well, that can seem counterintuitive, couldn't it? And so while this nutritionist might come up with a plan that can help you get the desired result, you might not stick to it. And so either nutritionist is not good or you just kind of get in this habit, nothing ever changes because ultimately I can't trust in their plan enough. So that's that's one aspect of trust that I'm kind of kind of thinking through in my head as I'm talking about this today. But the second thing, going back to the session with my client, so the session who I was mentoring a few days ago, and you know these big epiphanies and so on, and talking about why this works and this kind of idea of that, uh, they trust me to help them find their answers. That's a that's an important thing about mentoring is it's not that I tell them how to live their lives, it's that I help them find their answers. And um, we had this conversation, it was really cool, and then you could see my client kind of go a little bit inner, and you know, it was, I imagine, once she told me, and I'll tell you what happened in a second, but do you know when, you, when you're a kid, can you remember when you were a kid, I can't imagine there's many kids listening to this show, but can you remember when you were a kid, and there was something that, you know, maybe you've been a little bit dishonest about, or something that you know you should tell your parents, and you know, deep down you should say it, but it's hard to say and so on. Well, it was almost like she had one of those moments. And then she kind of just looked at me, she said, Bev, something I've got to tell you. And and I could tell, I could tell it was something kind of like that, you know, that like, oh, she's, there's something she could tell me here. And she said, look, Bev, I can't remember what it was, but in our last session, I lied to you. And, um, and, I regret doing it. And there was a really important moment in our relationship. Now I was I was forgiving to her. I kind of I get why we why she did that. I get, you know, that maybe well let's dig deeper into it in a second, but I can understand why maybe sometimes when we're working with someone we're trying to show growth with, we would want to protect ourselves if we don't feel we're doing well. And so I can understand why 
why that would happen. And in some ways, I was kind of forgiving to her for that. And ultimately, but what she wanted to acknowledge was that for our relationship to work and for her to get the benefits that she wants from our relationship, trust needs to be a part of it. But that also means that she has to be honest about her experience. You know, that, like I said before, that my clients need to understand I'm not going to judge, that I'm here to support them. And I'm not, you know, if, if, if I, they feel judgment, they're not going to be able to go to that deeper layer. And what she discovered was, you know, as we were kind of talking about this, is that she reflected upon that last session. I don't know what the lie was. She couldn't even remember. I don't think the lie was significant. But she knew that she had kind of let down this process because she was dishonest in a moment where maybe she felt a little bit of shame or she wanted to protect the way I perceived her or something like that. And it was really great that she acknowledged that. And again, I was pretty forgiving, but at the same time I said, I get why it's important for you to acknowledge this. And and in some ways what she was saying was, this is a standard that I do not want to drop the ball on in the future because our relationship and helping me move forward requires me to be a person who would not lie. And it's funny, I've got other clients who have had some big struggles. And, you know, at first when they've had to overcome some of their big struggles, they, would, they wouldn't they would tell me. And then over time, they learned to tell me and they realized that I was going to kind of help them through that time. And that was, that you know, that, that, that trust of, oh, he's not going to reject me if I show my weak side. It's a really interesting thing to think about, isn't it? I'm not going to be rejected if I show my weak side. And that's what that moment of my client reinforced. It reinforced that for this person, they'd let themselves down a little bit because they they, they were dishonest about something where maybe they weren't that proud of themselves. But for us to be able to work together, they need to be better in that moment. And, and that knowledge of that conversation by her telling me at that moment, really was what she was really saying is that I'm making a commitment to make sure I don't do that. And that was an important thing for her to do. So just think about yourself right now and think about yourself and and maybe think about the areas of your life where you kind of struggle or the areas of your life where you're trying to get help. First of all, there's probably a few questions I want to throw at you. The first one is is... And I do believe in getting help. I, I, I really believe, you know, like um, in my, my 5K dream, one of the things I talk about is one of the biggest mistakes. I, I kind of, in my 5K dream, I do these free videos. Um, I do three free videos and, and they're all about 20 minutes long and I try to have really good education. Um, it's a part of the sales process. And, uh, and, it, and one of, the, you know, I give why people fail and why people succeed and tips and so on to be able to run 5Ks for beginner runners. And one of the ones I give is this whole idea of, um, we need support, you know, and when we look about achieving a goal, if you want to achieve a goal, you you could do it by yourself, you really could, but if you want to achieve a goal, the wisest way to do it is to get wise people around you, and so if I'm trying to run 5k, or if I'm trying to lose weight, or if I'm trying to play my piano, or whatever endeavor it is in your life, you have a much higher chance of success if you surround yourself with people who can guide you moving forward. And why is that? Well, people who can guide us, if we choose the right people, have experience in the areas that we don't have experience in. So 
the, the thing I talk about in the my 5 k Dream Free video series is that ultimately these people give us the ability to not make mistakes that don't need to be made. The classic example I have is my first Ironman. My first Ironman, I did a 10-hour training day a week before the race. Now, this is absolutely foolish, but I didn't know any better, and I thought I knew it all. I was a fit guy. I was a PT, so I thought I knew what I was doing. Well, I was an absolute amateur, and I made so many mistakes in that first Ironman. If I just had someone beside me who said, look, that's stupid. Do this, this, and that, that would make me successful. So the first thing is, is in the areas you're trying to grow in, are you surrounding yourself with your team, with the people who can support you through this, so that you don't make mistakes? Because if you can eliminate as many mistakes as possible, then there's a much higher chance of success. But then the second thing to think about is this whole idea of trust. When you get a team around you, are you trusting in those people? Now, it's okay to question those people. It's okay for one of my clients to say, oh, I'm not, why do you think this is going to work? Like, it's okay to be to challenge them and, and, and question them. But you've also got to trust them. And is that something that you need to work on within yourself? If you reflect upon in the past when you've worked with people, have you trusted them? But second of all is, are you being honest about your experience within this? You know, are you being honest about what you're bringing to it? Because if you're not, then the people you're working with can't do a good job. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in evidence. I'm a big believer in what does the evidence say? You know, and, and like with my clients, you know, like I'm, I'm always going, well, what, what does the evidence say happens in this moment? And then we, once we can figure out the evidence, we can really figure out what needs to change. Now, if you're, if you're telling me, if I'm, let's say you're trying to lose some weight, and you're coming to me and you're saying, okay, I want to lose some weight, and, um, you know, that here's what I'm eating and so on, but you haven't put in that you have a bit of a, I don't know, a sweet snack at night every night, because you're a little bit ashamed because you betrayed yourself as being this really disciplined person all the time. Well, then the, the plan that I'm creating for you in this moment is not based on evidence it's based on something that's not right something that's not correct so then the plan that i create for you might not be as successful as possible so in doing being dishonest to those who are there to help you grow you're actually just increasing your chance of not succeeding but you really are so then the question goes why are we dishonest well it's often shame it's often we want to be able to influence the way the world sees us. It's often because we feel like a failure, you know. But if we can get the right people around us and we can trust them and, and ultimately if we know that they're on our team, and I think it's a really important thing when it comes to choosing the right people. You've got to choose people. Like one thing I say to all my clients, look, I'm on your team. I'm, and whatever your name is, let's say it's Bob. I'm on team Bob. And, and I am. I'm, I'm here for you because my job is to help you achieve. And so if you know you are being dishonest, I think one thing you've got to work on within yourself is how do I not be dishonest? How do I not be dishonest? And that can be a hard thing. It can be a really hard thing because if I'm not being dishonest, then I, in some way, dishonesty gives me the ability to not have to confront. I say again, in some ways, dishonesty gives me the ability to not have to confront. 
And to me, that then means I'm never going to grow. You know, it's funny, sometimes in life, it's, it's, it's funny, I, I had an experience recently, a really interesting experience, and uh, I, was, I, was, I was doing some dealings with a business that I do a little bit of work with, and we, and we had a client who, um, right from the start, was a bit of a sign that this person may be a little bit difficult. Um, when they first contacted the business that I work with, uh, there was there was kind of just a, you know sometimes you can realise that people may be a little bit difficult and right from the start there were these signs that this person may be a little bit difficult and um, but you know business is business and so this, this business needed you know took on the client and so on and as time went on this person just became more and more difficult and in the end it came to the point where this business decided to part ways with this client and and they you know they kind of dealt with it in a way where they acted really professionally to protect the business. So this person, the client was being uh, abusive, was being destructive, was was ultimately just not worth this client working with. The problem was um, the business that I was working with wanted to protect itself more than deal with the client. And what I mean by that is that the way they dealt with the situation was in a way where they could look very professional after the fact. So the, cl- the client who was the difficult client could not make the business look bad in this moment. And I've got to be honest, that's, that's a fair call to make. So, you know, let's say you're, you, you know, you've got a shop and you've got a customer who just is actually quite a destructive force in your shop and you decide, you know what, I don't want this person in my shop. How are you going to deal with that? Well, you're going to deal with it in a really PC way that when you, you might email the person and you're going to do it in a way that really, you know, they're not going to be able to put your email on Facebook and make you look like a really bad business owner. Um, and so there was one of these situations where actually you had to protect your business in dealing with this person. The unfortunate thing was this person needs to hear that the way they treat other people is actually not good enough. That the way that they were dealing with the people in the, the business I was working for is actually not good enough. You you cannot treat people in the ways this was happening. Because this business took that they need to protect themselves moment, this person, the, the customer who was the difficult customer, would have walked away feeling justified that this business wasn't very good at what they did. Now, they couldn't really make the business look bad because the business had protected itself. But at the same time, the customer didn't have to look in the mirror. The customer didn't have to look in the mirror and to realize that actually certain some of their behaviors are just not good enough. And in some ways, the customer, the, the business enabled this person to think that the way that they are acting is okay in a society or in a community. And actually, the way this person was acting was far from acceptable it was actually it was poor behavior and they you know no one should have to put up the behavior this person was bringing but because the business wasn't willing to be honest because it was protecting itself this person will continue on in a way where they have no awareness around what really needs to be changed and to me that's a little bit about this this dishonesty that you know that when maybe by we not by us lying 
we don't actually have to confront the bit we need to confront. And this business situation is what, what I'm talking about here is that the business enabled that person to keep going on the path they're doing. It's easier for this business because they've let go of that person. But at the same time, this person really needs to learn that you can't, you can't treat people like this in your life. Because they were difficult to deal with, the world almost pushes them aside and protects itself but never lets this person know that you need to improve in this area. And to me, lying about who you really are, it's the same thing. You're enabling yourself. Now, in the business situation, the business and the world around this person is enabling them to, to think that what they do is okay. But to me, that's what lying does as well. To lie to those people who are there to support you. I know lie is quite a harsh word, but, you know, to, to white lie, to be dishonest, you know, to not show the real picture is actually enabling yourself to never really do the work that needs to be done. Now, for some people listening to this, you're probably thinking, well, I, that's good because I never lie, or I'm never dishonest, or I never kind of, I always show the real picture. Um, I think, you know, well, if you're that person, good work. But if you're not that person, if you're listening to me right now, and you know that maybe, you, you know, you fudge a little bit here and there just to make yourself look a little bit better, what are you enabling yourself to miss out on? What are you not addressing because you are doing this? And to me, learning to be more honest about what your experience is, particularly with those people in your life who you're trying to work with, and then to be able to trust them to be able to guide you, and then to be able to work through yourself to be able to, you know, have that trust is, is really important stuff. So I, I hope there's something in that for you. I really do. It's, it's, to me, it's a really important area. It's something I work on because I, I, I try to work on being honest about my successes and my failures. You know, to, to, because I, it's, I think one thing when we, what we do also when we do this is if we only ever, if we don't address the failures, we build an unrealistic pressure to lie more in the future. If we don't address our failures, we build a, more pressure in the future to create more dishonesty. And what I mean by that is like if I if if I haven't been successful here, then I have to prove that out next time. And let's say let's say it is oh, I, I'm, I'm, it just builds and builds and builds. And then you kind of wake up one day and you're kind of like, who am I? And if you're thinking, who am I right now in your life? And you build a kind of house of cards around your life that aren't actually really based on the evidence of your life. Maybe it's time you do some work. I've already done 30 minutes. <laughs> I've already done 30 minutes. I might I had a main just of the show done today and uh and <laughs> uh, me and my talking. Uh and I think what I might do is I might do a quick tip because I I'm, I'm I don't need to go for an hour today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly pull up the patrons and then I'm going to do another just of the show and then we'll we'll get on from there. So I want to pause and I'll be back in a second. Radio, so let's look at some of the patrons of the show. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to bevanjamesiowas.com. It's all very clear on there. and You can just see the little link to the patron and Patreon page. And you just support me and what I'm doing every time with the show. And I have a new patron this fortnight. But also, last time Amanda, I didn't get Amanda's last name. And I still haven't heard back from Amanda about her last name. So I'm going with super duper amazing Amanda. There you go, Amanda, you are a super duper amazing Amanda, and you know who you are. And then uh, Ali Brown, Ali Brown has become 
a patron of the show in the last two weeks as well. And Ali Brown, when I saw Ali, I, th- I thought of Muhammad Ali. And I know, it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're probably more Ali than Ali. But I'm going with Ali Brown. I'm going with float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And that's because obviously there was one of Muhammad Ali's most famous quotes. So when you become a patron, you get a very cool nickname like Amanda. Super duper amazing Amanda. Or Ali Brown, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And uh, and also you support me in what I'm doing. And again, you go to bevanjamesisles.com and it's all very clear on there. I, I, I know I've already done half now already. I'm going to kind of just... I'm just going to talk about something else quickly in, in the main part of today's show. So it's kind of a different show today, but here we go. Here's the main part of the show. I kind of had another thing I was going to talk about in the main gist of today's show, but because I talked for half an hour before I even got to the main gist of today's show, I just wanted to talk a, a little bit about something... Um, a bit of an experience I'm having recently and an, an experience that I'd like to really challenge you on or an, a moment in your life that I'd like you to challenge yourself on. And so recently, you know, Joe, my partner and I, we like to run. Um, I, I teach a lot of fitness. Uh, I teach classes where I'm doing a lot of exercises. Um, <clears throat> but I love, I, love, I love running. It's one of my kind of favorite movements. I like cycling as well. I, like, I kind of like cycle all movements, to be honest. But uh, last, you know, we, we love traveling as well. So Joe and I, the two things we are really passionate about in life are exercise and travel. And we're very fortunate that we live a life where we're able to travel a lot. And um, when we think about where we and spend our money, um, we're not we're not very material in, in the way we live our life. So we're not kind of I don't really care about things as such. I I like nice things and the things I'm passionate about. So I have a really nice keyboard for my piano, and I did spend a lot on my keyboard. But I've spent seven years playing it, and it's been uh, a really good investment. So for things like that, I always think if if, I, if I'm passionate about an area, I do want to buy quality in it. But other than that, I'm not really a big spender. Um, but pe- you know, for Joel and I, travel is our big, our big spend. We will we will commit uh, you know our money to that because we think it enriches our life. And we and Joe's just really passionate about travel, so we have these really cool travel experiences and exercise. And, and one thing we do, I love. That's one of the things I love about running is it's it's a really cool way to absorb a city. It's it's a really cool way that anywhere in the world you can run. You know, I really love that about running. Like, I, I love cycling. I love other sports as well. But often you're a bit restricted when you go to places. But, you know, you can be anywhere in the world. And you've got a pair of running shoes and, you know, shorts and a singlet or maybe a jacket if it's a bit colder. And you can get out and go for a run. And so it's it's one of the things that we've always loved. And we've never, we when we travel, we always will get up in the morning. Our, our travel day tends to be, you wake up in the morning, sleep in a little bit. But then we'll get up and go for a run wherever we are. And, and I love running in the morning in different parts of the world because it's when the world is waking up. And so that's kind of cool. And then, you know, we go and have our holiday or kind of tourist or whatever, depending on what we're doing kind of day. But we decided uh, last year that we wanted to do, uh, we're going to Europe soon. And then next year in 2018, we want to do New York Marathon. And so... Um, We've been kind of building towards doing that. Now, you can qualify for New York Marathon, and, and we're in the process of trying to qualify. So I'm trying to get ready for a marathon, and Joe's, you know, trying to get ready to qualify for her marathon as well. And um, it's 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 built, you know, because like, in the last few years of my life, I've probably talked about this on the show, I've kind of occasionally tried to, you know, when I was a young man, I, did, I was an athlete from the age of about 
24 through to about 30, I was an athlete. My whole life was about sport. And um, and it was just a lifestyle that I led, in, you know, every moment, every day kind of was how do I fit my training in was the first question I would ask myself. And then outside of that, how would the rest of my life work around that? And, you know, then when I got to 30, I pulled away from being an athlete. I still work in fitness, so I'm very fit, but I, I kind of don't see myself as an athlete nowadays. I kind of just see myself as a, a, a very fit person because of my job, but my self-image isn't so much of an athlete. And through the last few years, I've occasionally signed up to do races and stuff. And unfortunately for me, I've got a little bit injured along the way, partly my own fault because I my I, I train myself a little bit ahead of where my ability is right now. And what I mean by that is I go for intensity too quickly and going for the intensity too quickly, I tend to get a little bit injured. So in signing up for New York Marathon, I wrote myself a training program this year that's been very much about slowly building and safely building towards intensity. And so I've been running my program for nearly two months now, maybe just under two months. And I've been doing, um, looking for consistency in my running and looking for not much intensity building my duration. So I've been looking for a little bit of strength. So I've been lots of hill running and a bit of strength work within my gym work. Um, And then duration and my duration is not that long for you know at to this moment in time I'm only running 20ks which I know for some people out there 20ks might sound like a lot but if you're doing marathons you're still only halfway to the point where you need to be for a marathon so and I've, and I've taken like nearly two months to get to this point now physiologically you know internally you know my heart and that I can handle running that long but I'm trying to get my body to be in a place where it's conditioned so it can safely, when I start to get that longer endurance and that more speed work around the goal that I'm trying to achieve, that my body's got a higher chance of getting through that time wisely. So that's kind of been the approach that I have. But it's been a really interesting experience because I've gone back to a bit of an athlete's life, but my life isn't so set up for it. And so, you know, when again, in my 20s, when I when I saw myself as an athlete and every day when I woke up, it was how do I get my exercise in first? It was, you know, it was it was easier for me to be successful in that world because I'd set up a life where everything about my world was to make that happen. Like I, I worked a minimal amount so that I could make sure I get my training and I, you know, really made sure I'd set my life up well. Whereas nowadays I'm I'm fitting a goal in a lifestyle which doesn't have the criteria of me being an athlete first. So nowadays I have a business, I have a career, I have music, I have a partner. I've got a daughter, although she's just taken off on her way, so I have less commitment with my daughter now. But, you know, I've got these kind of life commitments. And then what I have is I'm now putting a training program on top of that. And I, I, I don't have the ability, or I'm not sure if I want to, drop other priorities to make this work. So I have to very much have to make the goal of running this marathon work around my timetable in a way that sits in the life that I already have. And and it kind of takes a little bit more discipline than maybe what it was when I was being an athlete. So for example, when I was an athlete, I I always felt fortunate that I could train in the middle of the day. I, I, when I was an athlete, I I wasn't working a lot so I managed to work about 15 hours a week to earn my income and then I would just basically train all day and at that time I could train at the time of day that suited me and I always loved training you know anywhere from 
eight o'clock in the morning to three in the afternoon. That was kind of that midday was my my time, and I always loved that time. Whereas nowadays, I I, I can't. I have to get up and I have to train. Like last Tuesday, I, I looked at my timetable, and the only time I had to do an hour run, and the only time I could get the hour run done was if I got up at you know five in the morning and went for that run at five thirty in the morning, um, and then the next day. On the Wednesday, I had a really massive day and I taught an RPM class at the gym and I had to do a hill repeat run. And the only time I could see myself doing that hill repeat run was after the RPM class. And uh, I, I can tell you, I was it, I was not motivated. I, I got home from the RPM class. I'd had a big day. I'd been up at 5.30 that morning, worked through pretty much till 7 o'clock that night. And then I had to get out the door and go for this 40-minute hill repeats run. And so my life is not so conducive to the lifestyle of being an athlete now. And, and because of that, that, there's a bit more discipline that comes in place of this. The other thing about being an athlete is if you're trying to achieve a goal, and not just the athlete, but anyone who's trying to achieve a goal, ultimately what you come up with is a, is a plan that you think is going to help you achieve this goal. Um, and, and this plan, you know, when we think about people who do a race, there's, there's kind of different experiences of doing a race. So let's say you sign up and you do a half marathon. It's kind of the person who's done everything of what it took to be successful in the race. And and the benefit of being that person is you get to the finish line feeling prepared, feeling ready. You'll still be doubtful because that's a part of the experience. But there's a confidence that comes with knowing that I've done the work. And then you get the person who kind of comes and goes, who, you know, deep down is a little bit disappointed because they wish they'd done the work better. And then there's a person who's totally unprepared and it's probably going to be a pretty tough experience or they know they're going to go stupidly easy so they just get through the race. So, you know, and, and for me to be an athlete, I I don't want to be B or C. I don't want the guys half pie. I don't want to do half the work. I, I want to get to the, uh, or not done enough and know just because I've got a history of being an athlete, I can get through it. I want to be the guy who gets to the finish start line going, I've done the best I could do. I've done the best I can do. Now, at this moment in my life, I've, I've created this program that I've written for myself. And as I've said, it's a program that is about building in a slower pace that gets me there. But right now, I have, I'm currently doing four runs a week. Um, on top of that, I teach about eight, nine classes at the gym a week. So I'm probably doing around about 12 to 15 hours exercise a week. And within that, what I'm, what I'm loving, and this is a really important thing to think about, or maybe not what I'm loving is what I'm reminding myself and what I'm learning again is this whole idea of the moment of being uncomfortable. And what I'm talking about here is not necessarily in the exercise, because I've got to be honest, in the exercise yet with this program, I'm not really that uncomfortable, and I'm not... You know, the program I've designed, again, as I've said, it's about building a base that I can then look to be pushing intensity and duration on in another month, to, you know, to two months from now. So, you know, this, this, the running part of this isn't that uncomfortable for me. It's, you know, at times it's a little bit uncomfortable, but I would hardly say the running is killing me. But what I am experiencing right now is that moment where the negotiator inside me wants to give up what I'm experiencing right now is that moment where the negotiator in front inside of me wants to give up 
one thing you know when you experience one thing you go through when you experience the goal of trying to achieve fitness or or any area of your life is you wake up in the morning like like if you if you've listened to the show for a long time you know that I have my weekly meeting every Monday I kind of sit down I plan my week kind of plan every day around what I'm trying to achieve and so on and so on. I also, nowadays, Joe and I actually have a weekly meeting as well and we kind of talk about what we're trying to achieve for our business and for each other and, and you know, our life. Um, and then each day's got this plan and I live a life where I don't have much room for to move things around. You know, like really, if I'm saying I'm going to run at 5.30 on Tuesday morning, I've got to run at 5.30 on Tuesday morning because the rest of my day doesn't allow that kind of leverage to just move my run around. Um, and same with my Wednesday night run after RPM. Um, you know, th- there's not much, you know, whereas when I was an athlete, let's say I woke up at 8 in the morning, I was meant to go for a run, and I was feeling a bit crap. Well, I could move my day around. I had a lot more freedom to make it work, but I don't have that now. And there's this kind of moment in life when we're doing something that's challenging for us. We, we become uncomfortable. And a, and a really good example of this is when we are learning like think about a moment in your life when you've been learning. Think about a moment in your life where you have, you've tried to learn something. I'll, I'll talk about piano because it's how I roll. Um, sometimes I'm learning something new on the piano. I'll be learning a new song. I'll be learning maybe some theory. Um, I'll just be learning something. And there's a moment where it gets really hard. Maybe I, I I can't get it. Maybe I don't quite comprehend it. Maybe I need to take a step back and do that small chunking of what I need to learn so I can kind of get that understanding. But there's this moment where I become really uncomfortable, and and there's there's kind of an energy to this moment, isn't there? And and as you as you listen to this right now and you reflect upon yourself, I'm sure you can identify with what I'm talking about. This this moment in your life where. You're uncomfortable because you know what you're facing or or the moment or the challenge or, you know, just that that thing you're in right now that you're not quite comfortable with. And who are you in that moment? And what actions do you take in that moment? You know, when I think of the the piano one, when I'm at my worst, well, I I tend to get distracted by other things. So when I get to that moment of I'm uncomfortable because this is hard, in my worst, suddenly Facebook becomes appealing. Or suddenly I need to check my email. Or suddenly I might just want to look at, you know, play a song I'm really comfortable in. You know, that's that's that kind of, that's that when I'm at my worst. When I feel this moment of being uncomfortable, I look for a way out. And when I'm at my best, I understand that being uncomfortable is what I want. Being uncomfortable with this learning moment is actually what this is all about. And what I'm trying to to understand is how do I stay in this moment and how do I gain what I need to gain from this moment and move forward from this moment. And that's the thing that I'm really loving about this experience of going back to an athletic kind of world right now because, as I was saying before, the, the actual training, once I'm running, it's, it's actually not, you know, it's it's not, I'm not running that hard yet. I, I've got a lot more harder runs in front of me as, over the next few months and this is going to be something I've got to think about as I get, you know, how do I win the hardness of the running, but... The thing I'm experiencing right now is that that moment of being comfortable or that negotiation that I'm, I'm like it was really interesting last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, that was when I had to do the hill repeats run after a big day's work 
also after teaching a class at the gym, which is one of my more intense classes of the week, literally having to get home. And Joe was going out that night, so I knew I could get my run done at that time. That's why I timetabled it. I probably wouldn't do that again. It was a bit unwise, but it was just the way that day worked. Uh, and that whole day, that, that, that whole day, I was in this negotiation with this run, you know, and, and, and I was uncomfortable with it. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I'd delay it to tomorrow. And this is what athletes go through. This is this is a part of the experience. And I remember in the afternoon, I just, you know, it was this, a lot of my day was being wasted by the kind of the energy of, am I going to go for this run? And then in the afternoon, I just thought to myself, you know what? You're going for this run. So what are you going to do to make sure you go for this run? And once I did that, that was, you know, I, well, then it was just like I visualized myself coming home, saying goodbye to Joe, getting my shoes on straight away. I kind of... Uh, set the gauge where it made it easy for me to get out the door I kind of won that battle so I got out and did the run now I've got to be real honest it was a pretty crap run I've got to be honest and that's something I'm going to have to think about as I move towards intensity of my running that I don't just want to be the athlete who just gets out the door I want to be the athlete who achieves the objective of what I'm trying to achieve so that run was a strength building run it was a hill repeats run uh, did I achieve the objective of it? Mm, I probably didn't uh, was it the battle of that day? probably not getting out the door was but as I move towards intensity that's the thing I need to kind of focus on but what I what I really want you to take from this is learning that the being uncomfortable is what we want like that's what I'm actually learning this is what I'm gaining from going back to being an athlete again is I'm gaining ah oh, it's it's learning these moments for how do you win being uncomfortable how do you how do you get out the door at 5 30 in the morning how do you when you're learning something that gets hard how do you stay focused and make sure you you keep you know you don't get distracted by all those other things because ultimately i think what we want in life is we want to be uncomfortable more often because being uncomfortable just shows it's just a moment just showing we're not quite up to this but we can get through this we're not quite up to, and when I say we're not quite up to this, it, it's kind of like, ultimately, this is a stretch moment for us. This is a moment where we can grow. And it's interesting that for a lot of people, their history or just who they, you know, the way they've lived life is when they get to that uncomfortable moment, it's almost like that's a give up point. And that's where we use our history uh, you know, well, I was a failure of this in the history. It brings up all that emotional stuff, and so the that uncomfortable moment becomes something that we attach to our stopping to. I hope that makes sense. Our uncomfortable moment almost becomes a switch off moment, and I think what I'm trying to encourage you to think about today is that in my life, in the areas that I'm trying to grow in, I being you, in your life, in the areas that you're trying to grow in. The uncomfortable moments are a reflection that you're doing the right thing. The uncomfortable moments are a reflection that you're doing your right thing. And when you see these uncomfortable moments come up and when you feel them come up, your job is to remind yourself, oh, I'm here. So awareness first. And and then when you've understood the awareness of this uncomfortable moment, then it's to go, how do I how do I win this moment? How do I win this moment? It's a really important thing to think about because I believe that if you can 
embrace the uncomfortable moments. If you can almost have a desire to have more of them in your life, your life is going to be so much more fulfilling. Like you know that we know this. This is so obvious when we think about it. But but your life can be. But how you have responded in the past can often determine how you're going to respond in the future. And it's that kind of, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to the five second rule. I think I talked about the five second rule. Um, last episode, and and it, and which, yeah, it was a funny book, but but one thing she kind of talked about is what is your perspective you bring into things and how that influences the experience of it. And I remember it was a similar topic that we talked about when I that when I started group fitness, where you kind of did training. And they talked about star performers. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are amazing musicians. Um, and unfortunately for them, they might be the most amazing musician in the world, but when it comes to performing in front of people, they get nervous. And those nerves ultimately push them away from being a performer. And then you get uh, you know, amazing performers. And, and like um, I remember I had heard an interview with Bruce Springsteen, who, let's be honest, is renowned as one of the, the best performers of at least you know, the last 20, 30 years. And uh, he would say, you know, when he first started performing, he would get nervous. And then one day he just realized, no, it's not nerves. It's, it's excitement. This is just my excitement I feel before I get out in front of people. And so actually the excitement's what I want. And, you know, it's interesting that the feeling's probably pretty similar. Nervousness, is nervousness excitement? Is excitement nervousness? Or is it just how you're perceiving the what you're feeling? And is the way I'm perceiving how I'm feeling going to push me towards what I want to grow towards in my life? Or is it pushing me away? And to me, that kind of idea of what's the perception I, I, I hold on to within this moment. And if we go back to this idea of those growth moments where I'm uncomfortable, well, what's your perception of that moment? If your perception of you of this moment is this, oh my God, it's just, you know, that uncomfortableness is just me telling myself why I can't do this. Well, then ultimately you're not going to be pushing yourself forward in life because when I feel the uncomfortableness of, you know, being stretched because I am a little bit out of my league, well, I may shut that down, which means I'm never going to grow. But if, if we can look in these moments of I'm uncomfortable because I'm being stretched and I'm actually a little bit out of my league. Because that's the thing about these moments. It's you are a little bit out of your league. You know, when I'm on the piano, I'm learning a song that's a little bit above my ability and I'm uncomfortable. It's because I'm, it's above my ability. Like it's, it's not just because I'm being, you know, soft. It's actually a little bit above my ability. And it's funny, even if I go back to this kind of me running analogy that I was talking about before. Well, in my past, I've had a life where I could train any time of day. But, you know, right now, fitting training in around my schedule is a little bit above my ability. So I get a little bit uncomfortable about it. And what we want to, to really kind of learn here is, is what's the perception we're bringing to this moment? Because I suppose what I'm really trying to say here is that I want to have the perception of, I know I'm living my life well when I'm having these moments. And when I'm having these uncomfortable moments, my perception should be sit in them, try to move through them. My perception should be sit in them, try to move through them. If I can do this, obviously we're going to grow. So as you think about yourself, and, and you kind of listen to me talking about this, is 
when was the last time you were uncomfortable? You know, in, in areas of your life. And historically, how do you respond to being uncomfortable in your life? You know, how do you respond to being uncomfortable? Do you shut off? Do you push it away? Are you the nervous musician who thinks, oh, I am never very good in front of people and look for evidence to prove that to yourself? Or are you someone who actually moves more towards, you know, like you know, like Bruce Brainstein? It's an exciting thing, you know. For me, I, I know I'm doing the right thing if I'm uncomfortable in my life. And if you're someone who's in the off, well, how do you shift your perception so it becomes something that you actually want more of in your life? You know, this me going back to being an athlete, me going back to being, you know, trying to work on a plan towards a goal again um, is, is, is bringing back some lessons. It's funny, isn't it? You know, there's this whole thing, you know, I, I do believe that the wiser me is what I want to be chasing, but I do think also the younger me can teach always reinforce some lessons, and, and I'm kind of having that again. And the younger me is teaching me some lessons again, and I like that. You know, we do we do evolve, and we want to get wiser, but sometimes we do forget some of the good things we had in the past. And ultimately, my New York Marathon experience is about having this really fun life experience where I get to run with thousands of people and have this this kind of core experience at the end of it. But the real experience, the real thing I'm trying to gain is that. These day-to-day moments where I'm having to be uncomfortable and I'm having to learn to navigate through that in a way where I'm growing as a person. And sure, my life will be better because I get to run with 50,000 people and have this kind of cool story that I'll get to share with people. But the story we don't share with people is every day for the 18 months leading up for this race, well, maybe not every day, but every week, you know, every time I had to do a session, I, I had to kind of win these battles. And I want to be the person who gets to the finish start line of that New York Marathon and went, you know what? Whatever happens today happens. I'm going to race a wise race, but I know I did the best preparation that I could do. And by being the person who learns to love my comfortable moments, I will. And that's... Maybe something for you to think about as well. I always say, I, I have to wrap it up to become the best version. I'm kind of moving away from this recently, haven't I? But, but I, you know, learn the uncomfortable. Learn to embrace the uncomfortable. Learn to learn how to win the uncomfortable. Stay in the uncomfortable. Focus on the uncomfortable. And you will become a better version of yourself. Radio team, that's pretty much today's episode done and dusted. Um, hopefully, you got something today. Was yeah, again, the Bevan James Old Show is what it is, and uh, hopefully, there's some stuff in there for you because uh, a that dishonesty thing I think is really important, and b learning to be uncomfortable and, and the value of uncomfortable that comes with being with growth is really important. Actually, I just want to touch on one th- really quick thing, cheapest creepers. I'm, I'm hitting the hour, but I'm, I'm just gonna say I'm really proud of my father. Um, and the reason I want to share this, so um, if, if you know my family, oh wait, I'm going to do patrons now. Patrons, if you want to make a patron of the show, go to bevanjamesholes.com. Um, it's, it's all very obvious. If you are a patron, you are a bloody rock star in my head. Seriously, seriously, it means so much to me, the patrons of the show. Seriously, I, I can't say it enough. Um, it, supporting me and what I'm doing, and, and I, 
you know, allowing me to have to put this message out there because this is different. Let's be honest. There's not many fitness podcasts out there that talk like this. Old saying, you know, how do you get your six pack abs and all the rest of it? You know, like to to give me this platform and support me on this platform really means a lot. So thank you to the patrons. Proud of my dad. Okay, so um, my family. We are, so if I think of my immediate family, I've got a sister, I've got a half-brother who, who we don't have a lot to do with, um, but but my sister, my mum, and uh, my half-brother, my dad, um, and and then we've got all the young kids and so on. Well, we're, we are a loud, loud family. Like, my family functions, I remember when my lovely partner Joe came around to my first family function, I said, just be ready for energy, because we have energy to boot. And my dad's, my dad's the quiet soul of the family, so he's the one who, you know, he's just he's the quiet one, <laughs> and um, and I don't know if you think of my dad as shy. He's not a shy character, but he's just you know he's he's kind of the, he's quite happy to sit in the background and let people do what people are going to do. So at our family functions, they will you know he's not not that he doesn't contribute, but. He'll just kind of, you know, he'll be in the kitchen doing the dishes while we're all kind of making lots of noise and stuff and so on. And and, and he's always happy to be there. And there's been, you know, my dad had a pretty rough upbringing and um, had some pretty big things he had to overcome in his younger life. And he did. And he's um, always been a bit of an inspiration to me for that reason. But two two events recently have, have really... Like I've always admired my parents my, and my mum. My mum's a rock star. She, my mum did a marathon in the 50s. And, you know, like I've, I've got parents who I can really aspire to um, for lots of reasons. But one thing that I really admire about my dad, there's two things that have happened recently that I really admire. And, and why am I telling you this? Well, well, A, I love my dad. But B, um, I think there's something there in this for, for all of us. So got married. Got married, um, you know, 11th of February a couple months ago. It was definitely one of the, the best days of my life. It was just everything about it. It was absolutely amazing. And um, the highlights after highlights after highlights. And I remember for my wedding, I, I said to my parents, look, if you want to do a speech, you can. And and to be honest, when I said that to my parents, I kind of thought my mum may say some words for the family because dad is you know he's a quieter one of the family and he's not you know like he's not a public speaker i remember years ago um <laughs> my dad said to me this this really shows us like he was kind of saying harry myers how i can kind of stand up in front of people and talk because that's kind of what i do for a living and uh and he said i'd rather swim with sharks than have to stand up and and, and speak in front of people and he, he was quite genuine like there was nothing we see it was i think it was a tv program where literally it was one of those dear programs and one of them literally had to swim with sharks and one of them had to speak in front of people and he was like oh, give me the sharks any day of the week so when i said to my parents do you want to speak i kind of thought my mum may say yes and i kind of just, we just put it out there and there was no pressure you know it was a, the, our wedding wasn't that precious and then about Two weeks before the wedding, maybe three weeks before the wedding, we get a phone call from mum, and mum said to me, look, dad wants to speak at the wedding. And uh, and I have to admit, I was really surprised. I was really, really surprised. And um, and I, so I said, well, I was, well, I was happy. I was happy that he wanted to, but I was also a bit kind of, wow, that's, that's awesome. I wasn't expecting dad to want to speak. Well, when, when we think of highlights of my wedding, my dad's speech was definitely one of the highlights for me at my wedding. Um, he got up. He a uh, my dad has a, an ability to write, which I didn't um, know. Um, he wrote this speech uh, that was so heartfelt. 
um, so filled with love, um, so full of acceptance, so full of pride, so full of just, just, it was just awesome. It was just so well written. And he got up and he spoke in front of, you know, the hundred people that were at my wedding. And, um, you know, when the things that people were talked about post-wedding was, you know, your dad's speech was pretty phenomenal. And, uh, you know, that was a really amazing moment for me because he's my father. But f from the fact that my dad did it was another factor. And then the other day, I was up, my parents are overseas right now. Like, my, like Joe and I, my parents love, love travel. They've always, it's funny, my parents didn't travel until they were like 40. They'd never traveled at all. And then one day, yeah, they went to like one holiday and since that moment, they got the travel bug and it's, they, they love their travel. And they've been over in Cambodia and they're over in Cambodia right now. And um, mum put on Facebook, um, that I don't know what they're doing, but basically with all the Cambodian locals, there's about maybe 15, 20 of them, they must have been at some dinner function or something like that. And they're all doing the Gangnam Style dance, you know, the game, whoop, 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 whoop Gangnam Style. Well, I'm not quite sure why my dad's up there, but my dad was up there doing the Gangnam Style dance with, um, you know, these 15, uh, they're pretty locals. So I think mum and dad were on this kind of small boat cruise. So I think a, a cruise boat that has like 30 couples on it, um, you know, and so you could tell everyone else on the cruise must have been watching and my dad's up there doing it. Now, is my dad the kind of guy who'd get up there and dance in front of people? No, he's not. My dad is not that person. My dad is the guy who'd rather swim with sharks and be up in front of people. But in that moment, my dad participated in life. And I so admire that about my dad. I admire that a person is willing to participate in life. And, and to me, it's one of those things that I actually admire most in others. It's, you know, it's one thing I'm learning more and more in life is this kind of idea of we, some people are really happy to participate in the thing they're comfortable in. A lot of people are really happy to participate in the thing they're comfortable in. Like, I'm really happy to participate in exercise because I'm, I'm really good at exercise. I'm really happy to participate in playing music because, uh, you know, I love music. You know, and, and, and so, so we're comfortable to participate in the thing we are comfortable in. But when it comes to participating in life in the areas maybe we don't naturally sit in, we, we shy away from that. And as I looked at my dad doing his game style, and, and he actually wasn't a bad mover, you know, admittedly he wasn't going to be on MTV next week, but he, you know, he was, he was holding up. Uh, I just thought, what I admire about my father in that moment is he's willing to participate in life. And I love that. I love that in the, in the speech, you know, like I think that was that would have been a pretty scary moment for him. And he, you know, he, he kind of obviously sat and thought about it for a moment and thought, no, this is important and I want to participate in my my boy's big day. And I just, I suppose what I'm, why am I sharing this with you is ultimately be someone who participates in life. Be someone who, when you see an opportunity that we, maybe you are even a little bit scared about, participate in life. Don't hold back. See the opportunities. Embrace it. Because I tell you what, you're going to have a richer life if you participate in life. And I know uh, I always, always have admiration for people who are participating in life, especially in the areas where they aren't comfortable. 
you know, to go, you know, like for me, you know, to participate in areas where I aren't comfortable, I'm not comfortable. You know, like for me, reading on a podcast, it's me participating in life. You know, I know I'm better nowadays, but over the years, it's something I've worked on. So, you know, I suppose my third point of today's very long show is be someone who participates in life. And especially in the areas where you maybe aren't so comfortable. So, there we go. I've got my good friend Sean O'Porno. He's racing the Boston Marathon tomorrow morning. He probably won't hear this beforehand, but Porno, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my love, mate. I hope you have a bloody good race. Uh, Porno is the guy I talked about a couple episodes ago who we talked about, you know, he had that deeper meaningful. He's actually racing the Boston Marathon literally in like about 12 hours from now. Um, mate, he, he's, such a, he's such a great man. Um, and he's doing some really important work in for our communities and so um, and he's got a really big goal so Porto good luck um, I know you'll hear this after the fact I'm sure, I'm sure you do yourself proud anyway mate but I'm proud of you just for who you are um, that's this episode done want to become patron bevanjamesiles.com participate in life uh, embrace the uncomfortable moment and be honest to yourself your world and the people you trust to help you grow there we go uh, if you want to share the word about Bevan James Isles put it out there and obviously my 5k dream it's a way that if you want to run 5k's You've never ran 5Ks in your life and you're kind of a female between 35 to 55, go to my5kdream.com, check it out. I, I really believe in it. It's a product that can help. So I, I really do. I've, I worked bloody hard on that product. And I worked hard on it because I want to help people achieve the goal. Anyway, um, I'll see you guys in a couple weeks' time. Mm-hmm.